welcome to the New Life Fellowship podcast. New Life Fellowship is a community of grace in Kitchener, Ontario, Canada. Our goal is to teach and share and experience the life of Jesus Christ together. You're about to listen to a message from one of our meetings. Please make sure to check out our website, newlifekw.ca. Without further ado, let's listen in. Good morning, everyone. Thank you, worship team. That was excellent. Um, one thing I want to encourage everybody here, if you're joining us online or if you're here with us in person, um, to go back into our archives as New Life Fellowship and uh, check out some of our sermons past. And uh, Pastor Ross led us through uh, the book of Ephesians. Uh, and it was, it was a gem. There's so many great sermons in there. Um, but uh, there's one sermon by Pastor Greg. Pastor Greg did a sermon like way, like way back, like we were in the school way back, right? And, um, and it, it was a sermon that really impacted me, uh, and I've actually gone back to it a few times. You know you have a few of those sermons, you know, that really impacted you, and, you know, meant a lot to you, and so that's one of them. I've gone back to it a handful of times, um, and, and actually a little bit of what we're talking about today is it comes out of that experience of some of the things I learned about the New Covenant through what uh, Pastor Greg has shared there in that sermon. Um, and what we're talking about today is the topic of joy, uh, which you're all experiencing. We're all, you know, we're all happy, go lucky people. We're all happy all the time, you know. Uh, and you know why? Because it's a biblical command <laughs> to be happy all the time. You're laughing, but I'm going to show you who it is. Uh-oh, you know, this is New Covenant Church. I can't be talking about commands, right? Hold on a second. We're going to look at Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, verse 4, and it says this. This is an imperative from Paul. He says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say, Rejoice. That's the passage today. Everyone cheer. Everyone's happy about that? That's it. It's just one verse. That's one reason to rejoice. And you know, it's a really tough... um, it's a tough verse. It's a verse that actually I, I, I do kind of struggle with, and I think if we're real with ourselves, we can all struggle with this verse, right? Because we find a lot of reasons to not rejoice in the Lord always, right? We all have lots of reasons and lots of justifications as to why that command may not apply to you right now in this moment or yesterday or a few days to come. But Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. That word rejoice is the Greek word Cairo. In the grammar, it's kairit. It's an imperative, meaning to rejoice or to hail. Not like ice falling from the sky hail. To greet enthusiastically, right? Or to approve enthusiastically of something. So also sounds like rejoice, right? Makes sense. But when the Toronto Raptors won in 2019, they won the NBA championships, there was a big party in Toronto, a big parade for them, and they hailed them as champions. They greeted them enthusiastically. They approved enthusiastically of their championship. Paul says this is something that we are called to do in the Lord always. I have two examples of uh, people enthusiastically approving of something. First example, I was uh, 16 years old. I had got my G1. I, got my, I did my writer's uh, test to, get, um, to start my driver's training. And so my mom went with me to, uh, to, to the place where we had to go do this. 
And so I went and I did it and they, and they said out loud that I passed. And I remember my mom was like maybe a couple rows back and I was receiving it and my mom went, whoop! <laughs> and she, and she, and fast, enthusiastically approved of that happening. Um, to which I was a little bit embarrassed, I have to admit, Mom, I was actually quite embarrassed, but it was very good, like it's a good thing, you obviously want to cheer that on. I have another example of enthusiastically approving of something. Um, in Bible college, I was part of a ministry team, and uh, one of the guys who was on the ministry team with me, uh, the ministry team was a worship uh, group, so we went to different churches and played worship songs and kind of introduced them to our school. Uh, one of the individuals on the team uh, grew up as a missionary's kid, an MK, so his parents were missionaries in Europe. And we were playing the song, Blessed Be Your Name, which we all know very well. You know, it has a part that says, you give and take away. And he's like, I want to say something before we sing that song. And we said, okay, well, what is it? So he told the story. He told the story about when his parents were missionaries in Europe. They were part of a church plant. And they said that there was a family, there was a family, there was a husband um, and his wife and children who were part of the church what had happened was that the family house burnt down. Unfortunately, the husband was away from home when it happened, and his family passed away. His family died of smoke inhalation. So they had to serve, they had a funeral for the family as a church, they all mourned the family, and then he told the story about how the husband came to church the following Sunday, and they played this song, Blessed Be Your Name. And he said that the husband came to the front of the church during that song, when no one else was dancing, and he danced and he praised the Lord with everything he had. What in God's name, <laughs> would cause someone to do that. He told us, as a, as a ministry team, as he's telling the story, he said, this guy had strong faith. He had confidence in God. He had confidence in God that I had never seen before, but it was made real to me in that moment when he was able to rejoice in the Lord despite what happened. He was somebody who was able to say, I understand that God gives and he takes away. But even in the midst of that, I could still rejoice. Okay, does anyone else feel guilty for grumbling about anything? Okay, like, does, does anybody else feel guilty for complaining? That was my goal, I was trying to make you feel. No, actually, no, I'm, I'm trying to make a connection with you because I felt guilty. I felt guilty when I heard that story because I grumble about a lot of stuff. Gas prices, inflation on Lucky Charms, who can buy that stuff? It's way too expensive. I find a lot of things to complain about, and I'm pretty sure you guys do too. How dare Paul tell us, rejoice in the Lord? Always. Again, I say rejoice. What is he saying? It's a great mystery. Because it, it matters. If it's always, that means that whether you have a lot or you have little, whether you've had a great trauma and tragedy happen in your life or everything's going well for you, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. We all struggle with disillusionment, discouragement, and discontentment that can make us despise our lives no matter where we're at. We wonder where God can be in this mess. And obviously Paul's response to this is that he invites us into an experience. 
where we as believers have a cause, we have something, we have an ability to rejoice in the Lord always in everything that we face. We're not called to grin and bear it, okay? I don't think there's any Bible verses about that because one thing that's very true about any subject of joy you see in the Bible, it's always tied to suffering. And so we're not necessarily called to rejoice, we're not called to just grin and bear through anything we face. And it's not a, you know, I've heard this in the past, it's not like this, this thing that you will yourself to do, you know, like this is a good Christian obligation that it's, you know, Jesus, others, and you, you know, J-O-Y, you know, and like, like you try to stir it up in yourself, this reason to, to be happy. And well, if I do these things, then I'll be happy. Well, obviously, we've all lived with religious obligation in our lives, and are we any happier for that? Most likely, no. It's more than that. We've been invited into a joy that bypasses circumstances. We've been invited into a joy that is dependent on Jesus. Therefore, that joy is limitless. It's unspeakable. It's unexplainable. It's supernatural. We've been called into this, and this joy is fueled by our union with Christ. And our union in Christ is what instigates and empowers this joy that makes us a light to the world, that makes us a light in a dark place. We're going to learn more about that right now. Let's pray. Jesus, I ask right now um, that, you know, uh, beyond, beyond everything that's been prepared, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would enlighten people to the things that are, the things that you want to say through this message. Maybe there's things that you want to highlight to others. I pray that that be the case. And I ask that there would be a supernatural expression of joy in each and every one of us as we leave this place, that we would experience the, the, the wonder this morning of what it is to be in union with you. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. So since it's just a, uh, it's just a verse, we're going to be looking at some words quickly. So we talked about the word rejoice. Paul says this is imperative. It's a verb. So I want you to rejoice. But then he adds an adverbial phrase after that. He has two adverbial phrases, but the first one is in the Lord. And that's important, right? Because we can rejoice in a lot of stuff, right? You can rejoice in the success of your hockey team. Right, there was something there, but I'm going to leave it. <laughs> you can rejoice in the success of your basketball team. Okay? You can rejoice in many things. You don't necessarily need the Lord to do that. However, there's something significant about rejoicing in the Lord. And we're going to learn about that because Paul repeats this phrase, rejoice in the Lord, three times. Almost, actually, I think, even, I think it's even four times in the book of Philippians. So he says the term over and over again, rejoice in the Lord, rejoice in the Lord. He, says, he gives an example. He says, I even learned to rejoice in the Lord in this way. But this adverb shows up multiple times with different verbs. And, it, and what this is going to do, I'm going to show you three different way, um, two different ways that this shows up in, in this book, or even in this chapter, and it's going to bless you. It's going to help you give it a different understanding of what it means to be in union with Christ, okay? So the first one, he's, he's saying right there in Philippians chapter 4, he encourages the believers to stand firm in the Lord. So stand firm in your faith, strengthen your faith, but in the Lord, obviously. Why? Because you could, you could stand firm in your own ability to keep the faith, but you do need to find your strength and ability from him. So he says, stand firm in the Lord. Next he says, he's talking about two people in the church who are having a conflict. This never happens in churches, right? So you're all in wonderment about that? Nobody in church has conflict. 
Jesus is talking to two people. Jesus, Paul's talking about two people. He's talking about Judea and Syntyche. So these are two sisters in the Lord in the church of Philippi. And he's saying, please, I'm imploring you sisters, and I'm imploring you people in the church, encourage these two sisters who are having a conflict to agree in the Lord. Right? Because you can agree with people in the church about a lot of things. Right? You can agree about cereal choices. You can agree about hockey. You can draw hockey teams. You can agree about, um, you know, what kind of worship music that you like. You can agree about a lot of stuff. But Paul says that's not enough. It's important that these sisters realize that they agree in the Lord. Why? Because the other things I just mentioned are temporal. They're circumstantial. Right? You agree with somebody on something until you find something you disagree about, and then all of a sudden we're no, no longer friends. Correct? This is how it happens often. It happens in churches quite a bit. Pastor Ross has been leading us through. He's instructing us about this. Having to understand what it is to do, con- how to do conflict well. But at the same time, Paul says, agree in the Lord. Why is this important? It's because these two sisters are in union with Christ. Therefore, they have the same spirit. They have the same Holy Spirit. You do not have to keep the bond of peace. Sorry, you don't have to create a bond of peace. You don't have to create a, a bond of unity between yourself and another believer. You don't have to actually do that. Ephesians says you just keep the bond of peace because it's already there in the Lord. So you have a bond with each other that no one else can see, but spiritually by faith we accept and we believe that it is there. And I agree that it is there. I want to give you an example of how that looks. I had a, a, prof, in, in, um, a prof in seminary who gave the story recently about how there was a group of Russian theologians, get this, Russian theologians and Ukrainian theologians who were working on a commentary together. Guys, this is recent. They were working on a commentary together. And what happened was Russia annexed Crimea. And they reported and said that when they were working on this commentary, they were writing about the Bible, and writing about their faith in Christ, that this conflict arose, and they also had conflict. Because they didn't see eye to eye about Russia annexing Crimea. Makes sense. He tells the story, because he had a connection to, um, to some of the, the churches in Ukraine. And he said this, he said, It was difficult, but they worked together to finish the commentary on the Bible. Why? Because they valued the purpose of what they were working on over whether or not they agreed on the situation. And they completed it because of the importance of what it meant to the Ukrainian and the Russian church to see churches working together amidst the divide. Agree in the Lord. Why? Because we are fighting, we are, we are not, sorry, we are not fighting to keep a bond of peace. We're not fighting for unity. We are together now, connected to each other through what Christ has done. And so we just need to keep it. You died with Christ on the cross. Your spirit died with him, it was crucified, died, and was buried. Therefore, you had to get a new spirit. 
So when Jesus was risen to life, you received a new spirit. That spirit got connected with Jesus' spirit. So you had a blue Play-Doh and you had a red Play-Doh and they came together and they made green. Purple, come on guys. Come on guys. I'm like Doctor Strange here. I've never watched that movie. Um, and that's what happened. There was a union that happened, right? It's where there's no end. There's no end to this connection. There's no end to it. So you are in union with God. And the wonder of that is that we are now connected to God's unlimited supply of life and resources. We are connected to that now. Not only that, I'm also connected to Ross. I'm also connected to Greg. I'm also connected to Catherine. I'm connected to them because we have the same spirit. Therefore, we can agree in the Lord. But Paul's saying something really significant here because we were just talking about agreeing in the Lord. He's saying now, rejoice in the Lord in whatever you experience based on your union with Christ. Whatever situation you are currently in, you've currently stepped into, you can rejoice in the Lord. Why is that? That's because of John chapter, uh, John chapter 15, verse 5. Jesus says, you are the branch, I am the vine, right? Connected. So if you're apart from me, you could do nothing. It's the vine that bears the fruit, right? So that vine is giving life to the branch, and the branch bears fruit. And what is fruit? Got to look at Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, right? And 23, what are the fruit of the Spirit? Love and joy and peace. What, do you want a reward? <laughs> I'll give you a gold star. Do you get it? He's saying that because you are connected to Jesus, because of your union with him, you are now connected to a limited, unlimited resource of life so that God can bear that fruit in your life. Therefore, you can rejoice in the Lord wherever you're planted, wherever you are, no matter what you are facing, because it's not dependent on your ability. I mean, isn't this the issue for so many of us that our happenings are responsible for our joy? My circumstances are responsible for my joy. If things go well with me today, if the gas prices go down a little bit, then I'll be happy. Are my happenings responsible for my joy? No. If that's the case, then I'll always be miserable. Then I will always be disillusioned and discouraged and in disagreement with God. And here's another thing that's also true. I'm also not responsible for this joy. It's something that Jesus gives. I am not responsible for this joy. This supernatural expression. Hold on a second. Let's back up. I'm talking about all this spiritual stuff. And honestly, I'm feeling pretty overwhelmed by what I'm saying because, quite honestly, I don't even feel right enough. I, I almost feel like I haven't suffered enough to encourage anybody to rejoice in the Lord. You know, it's like, how can I say that? You know what Jesus told me when I was preparing this message? He said, it's not about you, Robin. <laughs> uh, yes, thanks, Jesus. It's not about you, Robin. This was Paul's message to the church of Philippi. 
This is God's message through Paul to the church of Philippi that has now come to us in the 21st century. And what's Paul's context? Paul's writing this verse to the Philippians in prison. This guy knows what he's talking about. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. If I'm responsible for that kind of ability to find joy and that kind of supernatural ability to find joy in whatever I'm facing in the Lord, if I'm looking for that in myself, I'm not going to find it. If I'm looking for it in my performance, I'm not going to find it. If I'm looking for it in my wife's performance, I'm not going to find it. If I'm looking for it in my children's performance, I'm not going to find it. If I'm looking for it in my church and how my church behaves and how my church family treats me, I'm not going to find it. I'm going to be pretty upset. I'm going to be pretty disillusioned. If I'm looking for it in how my pastor treats me, I'm going to be disillusioned. Because we're not perfect. We're not perfect. We're going to make mistakes. But if I find this supernatural power to rejoice in the Lord, in the Lord, in my union with him, if he is the one supplying it, then I could confidently, then I could confidently say, yes, I can rejoice in the Lord always. Let's talk about that word always. Right? Actually, hold on. Let, let's, let's, let's phrase this properly. Let's do, let's, do, um, let's do a Eugene Peterson paraphrase for a second, right? Because look, look at these terms we're looking at. He's saying, approve, for example, approve enthusiastically of your situation always because of your union in Christ, right? Because of your union in Christ, you can do this. Always. And he uses this word always now as an additional adverb to this verse, to this verb. Why? Because your union is always, first and foremost, but because it actually matters that we do it. It actually matters that we create a practice or remind ourselves often to rejoice in the Lord no matter what we face. He says always because it's important, because we should do it, because it's going to be helpful for you. Uh, my daughter Mahalia has learned to ride her bike. And so what, I, what I've been doing in the habit of that is I say she gets on the bike with no training wheels, right? No training wheels. So here I am. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of giving her a little push. I'm like, okay, honey, now start pedaling. And I'll give her a little push, and she'll just kind of glide on the push for a bit. I'm like, no, you have to pedal, right? Like, like start pedaling. And I'll do it again, and, it would be like, and then she would just kind of glide. I'm like, no, honey, you have to pedal. And so the last time I was like, okay, this time I'm going to do it, but this time you've got to start pedaling and keep pedaling. So recently she did that, and then she just took off. She didn't know how to use a brake, so I ran after her. <laughs> but she took off. Why? Because she's supposed to be pedaling. That's how you keep the balance. She has to always pedal to stay balanced on the bike. Paul is saying rejoice in the Lord always. Why? Because it's important for us to do this. It's an anchor. This verse is an anchor to the whole book of Philippians that is about the subject of joy in suffering. Learning how to plug into the power that God gives us. Because we all struggle with disillusionment, discouragement, and discontentment that can make us despise our lives. But Paul's response is to instead be empowered by the joy that he gives. Look to him. We don't always do it right. 
you know, even for myself sometimes, I'd be honest, sometimes I don't even have the ability to have fun. You know, like sometimes, sometimes people are having fun and I'm there and I'm kind of Eeyore. Anybody else like that? Or you're just, you just came in, you know, you're the person like it was a cartoon, you came in with a cloud over your head. And everybody's like, um, blessed be the name of the Lord. And you're like, I hate this place. You're like, you know, you're like. <laughs> and you just come and you just have the cloud over your head. Sometimes, let me just be honest with you. Sometimes I have to go to Jesus, even in those moments, and I say, Jesus, I don't even have the power to be happy. Whatever, I just had a bad week or something's triggered some kind of disillusionment or discouragement in me. And for whatever reason, I realize that I do not have the power. And every once in a while, I pray that prayer. And now I can't tell you that it works every time, but I could tell you maybe about 90% of the time, when I seek the Lord in that way, the way I started my day and the way I ended my day are two totally different trajectories. And I know sometimes when I start my day with the cloud over my head that I end with a hurricane at the end. You know? But when, but when I take that time to say, I don't even have the power to be happy. I need you to empower me to enjoy this moment, to be with my friends, to enjoy my children, to, to enjoy my church family, to, en to en enjoy my workplace. I don't have the power to do it, but, but you can give me the power, so I'm trusting you to give it to me. Rejoice in the Lord, in the Lord, in the Lord, always. Why always? Because you need to. Just always. Because just life is not easy. It's full of disillusionment and discouragement and discontentment. It's full of things that make you upset, whether you have a lot or whether you have very little. It's full of reasons. And the world is not done making you feel insecure about what you have or don't have. You don't have to spend too much time on social media to feel like something's wrong with you. Find a reason to not have joy. Therefore, Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say, rejoice. Think on your union with Christ. Reflect on it. If you need help, ask him. I almost wanted to, I almost wanted to write this sermon and say, say um, make the title of it, complain in the Lord. You know, grumble in the Lord. Don't just grumble for no good reason. You know? Every once in a while, I have to stop and say, I, I'm upset, but I'm talking to Jesus about it. Jesus, I'm upset about this. And look to him for leadership and look for him for guidance about what to do next, rather than trying to find happiness and joy from the world and from other people. It's everything that we have sometimes to just rejoice in the Lord. This is why it's important. And one of the reasons that it's very important, I would say, is that Christ wants to make an appeal through us to the world with his supernatural power. Because the world doesn't need you to grin and bear it. And they don't need your religious obligation to look happy when you're not. Can anyone say amen to that? Amen. The world doesn't need that because they already assumed that about you and they've rejected that because they've seen, the in, they've seen how it's not genuine. What does the world actually need to see? They need to see Jesus. They need to see Jesus working in and through you. And we can all say amen to that, of course. Here's the sobering part, and I want you to receive this well. But I also want this to be a comfort to you. Here's the sobering part. Sometimes 
It's in suffering where the power to have joy has the most effect on the world around you. Sometimes we are experiencing things in our lives that have, make no sense as to why somebody should have joy. And yet, if a believer says, I commit now to choosing to find the joy in my communion and union with Christ, then Jesus' power shows through that and it makes an appeal to the world around them. Why? Because a believer who is able to find contentment in their union with Christ has access something that the world cannot find. They have justified every reason, they could justify any reason why you have joy when everything's going well with you. Well, they have a house. Oh, they have a car. Oh, their kids are doing well. Oh, look at, uh, I don't know, look, look, look at the neighborhood they live in. They, people could justify it. But when something goes wrong, and all of a sudden, a believer is grieving a loss. Even like the story I told you earlier, grieving the loss of a family, and a church family comes alongside to encourage them, and they find joy in the Lord, and they're able to rejoice. Obviously, they're still grieving, and they'll, and they'll hold that loss for the rest of their lives, and it will cause pain for them. But they are able to still live their lives confidently in the faith and their union with God. That is a light to the world. God can make an appeal to the world through us. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20 talks about this. talks about how we are now ambassadors for Christ wherever we go. And God has made us righteous. He didn't call you righteous. He didn't just paint righteous on you when you were bad and just say, ah, okay, you're, yeah, you're righteous. No, no, no. He made you righteous. So what? So that you can now have the Holy Spirit inhabit you and you can make an appeal to the world around you. And this is the thing about ambassadors. And Greg, I love this how you said this in your sermon. I think it's beautiful. But God, the deal with ambassadors is that a general will send an ambassador to go somewhere to be a representative of the general or of the nation that they are representing. The, the ambassador does not have a choice of where they're sent. The ambassador does not have a choice of where they're sent. They are just sent. And so sometimes we are facing situations, we have stepped into situations in our lives that aren't great, they aren't fun, we're not excited about them, we're not excited about tomorrow, we're not excited about what's, what, what will happen or will not happen. And in those situations, God wants to make an appeal through you to wherever he's planted you, to the world around you. And if we're willing to accept that, we're ex willing to accept the life of Jesus Christ in you, your union with him, and his ability to produce fruit. And one of those fruit is joy. One of those fruit could be love. One of those fruit could be gentleness or patience, faithfulness. Then it's making appeal to the world around you. It's not just contentment. It's not just joy for the sake of joy because the world has enough of that and it doesn't satisfy I say this primarily because you'll notice in the epistles, and I said this a little bit before, but over and over again, those subjects of joy, right? You think about James chapter 1, verse 2, you know, count it all joy when you face what? Various trials. What is he talking about? They should have taken that out of the Bible. <laughs> count it all joy? What is he talking about? 
You go to 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 1. I just want to read it to you. Peter says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. Your union with Christ is not going anywhere. It's always, it's always. If what the second Adam did wasn't as powerful as what the first Adam did, we have a problem. Right? Your union with Christ is always. So it's undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are, by, are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith more precious than gold that perishes through, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of the, Jesus, of the Lord Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him. And here's that word, rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. Let me simplify this for you just a little bit there. What Peter is saying is this, that we do face trials and hardships in our lives that encourage us to trust Jesus. Trusting Jesus allows for joy. So therefore, suffering teaches us how to trust. And our experience in trusting in suffering will now strengthen our belief in Jesus. And our strengthened belief in Jesus and our union with him will allow for empowered joy. And this allows for Jesus-empowered joy to be expressed in whatever we're facing. So it's a cycle. It's a cycle. Sometimes we go through a trial and we're like, man, this stinks. But I learn how to trust Jesus in this. This is, this is a challenge I'm in, but I'm learning how to trust Jesus in it. I'm learning to go to him for joy. And so you learn how to do that, and you're strengthened in that, and you're able to endure what you face, and then you step into another season. Well, guess what? This one's probably more challenging. But guess what you did previously? You, you, had, you were tested in your faith. You learned the discipline of trusting in the Lord, trusting in him for joy and empowerment. Therefore, you're able to step into a new season. And Peter says, we're going to do this until the revelation of Jesus Christ. See, our bodies might be perishing, Paul says, but our inner person the who we are, our souls, our, our inner being is growing. It's going from glory to glory. We're finding more resilience and more strength and more ability to shine in the dark. And why is that important? Because we're making an appeal to the world around us as we do this. I was in, this is the last thing I'm going to say now as we end. Um, I was going through a, a really troublesome season while I was in ministry, and I was doing sort of like a vacation um, Bible camp. I was kind of organizing it and stuff and, and being part of it and doing music and all this different stuff. And it was, it was a lot of, it was a really, really hard work. It was very, very challenging. And, um, and it, but at the same time, it's, it's also a lot of fun because you work with the kids. It's, it's very fun. But I had to, going through a hard time, I had to learn how to lean on Jesus. So afterwards, I went through that season and somebody kind of came in contact with um, 
you know, my wife Deanne was kind of asking her, like, you know, I remember when Robin did these vacation Bible camps, and they were really cool, and they were fun, and they were all, like, this special thing, was, you know? And he, and he was, like, amazing. He was high energy, and he was doing all this stuff. And, and then whatever made Deanne say this, but Deanne just said, like, listen, he, went, he was going through bop, 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 bop. He was going through all kinds of challenges at that time. Now, the things I did, um, I wouldn't even bother going into at this moment. But he was going through so many challenges at that time. And, and, he's, and I remember in conversation with Deanne, I, I would tell her, like, you know what? I don't know how I'm doing this. I don't know how I'm making it through this challenge, but I'm just learning how to trust in Jesus. And I just found this unbelievable energy and strength to keep doing what I was doing. Deanne said, she was talking with the individual, and the individual said, oh my gosh, I had chills when he said that. Because it just impressed upon me how much I also need to trust in Jesus when I'm going through something challenging. Listen, we don't have all the answers all the time for solving every situation that we're in. And we may not be able to fix it all the time with our own ability, and others may not be able to fix it. But if we're able to trust in Jesus to empower us with joy, then not only is it a light to appeal to those outside of the church, but it also encourages us by faith to see Jesus at work in us. And this is not a story about, oh, Robin's so great. No, no, what did I do? I just, I just had to trust. I just had to trust. I was at my wit's end. I had to trust the Lord. And so he empowered me to do what I did. And many of you have similar stories where you had to lean into Christ and he empowered you and he strengthened you to do what, you were, what he had placed you to do. He sent you as an ambassador into a certain situation, a certain trial, and he wants to empower you through it to do what? To strengthen other believers around you and to make it appeal to the world you're called to, um, the world that you were in. See, we all struggle with disillusionment, discouragement, and discontentment that can make us despise our lives. But we have been invited to experience a supernatural joy in the Lord to endure whatever we face, and we're going to make an appeal to the world around us. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for the, uh, just the wonder of your word. You know, it's just amazing. And I think to myself often, who, who am I? Uh, and we all kind of feel that way at times. Um, but I want to affirm this body right now that it, it's not that you've been called for this purpose. You've been called for this moment for such a time as this whatever you're facing, whatever challenges you're in, to rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Whatever you're in, you've been called and invited into this for a reason. Do not despise your life. Do not despise what you've been given. Do not despise what you have or do not have. But instead, rejoice in your union with him and the power that comes from him. So I speak that blessing now over us. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would affirm in our hearts the truths, the truths, make the things stick that are the things that you want your people to remember and know about you. Let it go deep into their hearts, and I pray that you would guard their hearts with your peace. I ask this now in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to the New Life Fellowship Podcast. Thanks for joining us. For more great content, please be sure to check out our website, newlifekw.ca, and sign up for our mailing list. Subscribers will receive our The Life in the Apartment ebook that is sure to encourage and bless. 
Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and subscribe to our YouTube channel to watch the latest services and additional video content. New Life Fellowship is a registered charity that is supported by the giving of partners and friends. All donations will be received. If you would like to donate, donate at newlifekw.ca. Your giving is highly valued and appreciated. You are loved. Take care.